if you literally do not have an address, yeah. if you don't have an address, you cannot get work. If you don't have reliable transportation, you cannot get work. And so this allows for people who want to work and just can't, mm-hmm. that they can work. Right. I'm William. I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. Willie is a hospice chaplain. And we've been friends for more than 20 years. We've had thousands of conversations about things that matter and things that don't. So now we're inviting you to join in. Each week we pull a topic out of the hopper and talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. Welcome to the Hopper Podcast. We are back for another issue of the Hopper. I am, uh, well, the last number of weeks, yeah. I've been uh, off the telephone and back in the studio, which has been great. Yeah. You, are you feeling better? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, Good. Yeah. It it definitely took some uh, some gusto out of me. It, yeah. The COVID. Of, yeah. The COVID. Yeah. The COVID. I went to Rona City. <laughs> so I've had that, uh, I, think, I think I've had all three strains. All right. I, I don't want any more. Yeah. 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 But, but you're feeling better now. Good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Well, also, the last few episodes, we have been talking about um, redistribution of wealth. Yeah, some economics. Huh? Income disparity. And, and last episode, we, we laid the foundation, really, of universal basic income. Yes. And we said we were going to answer two very big questions about how this would work. One being, aren't we just going to provide people uh, the opportunity to be lazy, yes. to use drugs? Yes. To not work. Yes. Secondly, how in the world do you pay for everyone in the country who's 18 and older to get $12,000 a year? Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So those are both phenomenal questions. And let me see if I can address those. All right. Uh, I want to broaden those out slightly, mm-hmm. right, to be a little bit more general so we can deal with them each. So we're going to talk about the value of UBI Universal basic income, not UTIs. Right. Um, the value of UTIs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any value for UTIs. The burning is fun. The burning, I guess. It makes you feel something. Yeah. It reminds me that I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> the value of UBI to people individually and also to the economy that will um, get them to uh, do really, really well. So that people, it's good for people and good for our economy. Mm-hmm. Um, during that, while we're talking about that, I want to assume completely that UBI is affordable, that we could do it. Right. Okay? Uh, and then after that, we're going to get, we'll, I'll address the question, is it affordable? Mm-hmm. I think it is. I think the answer is yes, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, okay. So, is it good for people and is it good for the economy? Be good for me. I know that. Yeah. So everyone says, yeah, I want this. Be good for my kids. <laughs> but I don't want it for other people. Huh. Right? Because I want $1,000 a month or whatever. I mean, yeah. we're, let's use Andrew. He's the most popular and that's a good foil. But uh, any sort of UBI I, I think is good. I like Andrew Yang's. His is the uh-huh. most fleshed out. Okay. $1,000 a month. Okay. Let's talk for just a moment. Do you remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Of course. Yeah. Yes. So Maslow um, was a was he a psychologist? I think some theoretician, something some, like that, some yeah. egghead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean. Yeah. Okay. So he said. Uh, so that Maslow's hierarchy of needs is not without legitimate criticism. However, for our purposes here, I think he is incredibly helpful. 
Yeah. Yeah. So he says that there's five levels of need that all people have, and they go in order. First, let's, let's sort of remember this. First, he says, is the physiological needs, things we need for actual survival, life. for yep. life. Food, air, drink, shelter, clothing, warmth, sleep, sex, these kinds of things for, to survive. Yeah. Um, and if those, needs are not, if those needs are not met, people can't think about anything else. Yeah. I, oddly enough, I remember that elimination might be the most basic need. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, yeah. So, elimination. Yeah, if you don't get rid of your waste, you die. Yeah. You die faster than starving or dehydration. Uh, you need your liver and you need, uh-huh. to, you need to be getting rid of it. So, elimination is like A number one. Yes. You need that a lot, right alongside with oxygen. Yeah. 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 Um, I have... Uh, I don't know if I should. We, we may need to cut this out, but <laughs> okay. you know, in my in my work as a hospice chaplain, uh-huh. you have trouble eliminating. Not me. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, there are. Well, I drive around a whole bunch. And okay. I don't want to go to the bathroom <laughs> in uh, people's homes. Yeah. And so, yeah, when I'm on the road all mm-hmm. day, every day, then you, you wear a NASA diaper. <laughs> there and, are and eat lots of prunes. I have a, I have a um, portable urinal in my car. Okay. Yeah. But that's not what I was actually going to say. Yeah. That, that might be TMI. Maybe so. This <laughs> might be as well. Uh, a portable urinal. Like a, like a kid's potty. Well, it's, a, it's, uh, it's actually used for it's my a patients. It's a hospital bottle. It's a hospital, I've seen hospital yeah, yeah. bottle thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It actually yeah. It works really well. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> because, because elimination is super important. It is. But also, yeah. I've, I've, I've had patients with um, cancer, cancerous tumors. Mm-hmm. That is killing them in their abdomen, and it squeezes off the urethra. It pinches mm-hmm. the urethra, so that they build up uh, liquid in their bladder yeah. that cannot get out. Right, and it is extraordinarily painful. And there's not a whole lot that can be done. Yeah, um, yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I've had that happen a number of times yeah. to men and women. Well, I think some some poisons are are geared to uh, break up the chemical reactions that allow you to get rid of waste. Is that right? At a cellular level. Wow. And then you just you get toxified. So that's and you die. So that's Maslow's first yeah. order of needs is those physical physiological needs. And if those are not met, right, you are not thinking about anything else, right, but getting those needs yep. met. You need water. That's all you can think about. That's all you can think about. If you are, de- if you are, like, there's hunger that you can ignore, but there's also hunger that you cannot right. ignore. Yeah, or yeah. you're underwater. You can't breathe. Right. You got to get out you, immediately. You become desperate, and there's yep. nothing else on your mind. Yeah. Okay. Second order of needs is what he calls safety needs. Mm-hmm. So this is order, predictability, mm-hmm. financial security, safety mm-hmm. against accidents and injury. A safe place to relax mm-hmm. and to sleep without fear of immediate trauma, that is very important. Right. It comes after the physiological needs, but um, these safety needs are often met with uh, family, with police, with locks on your doors, schools, businesses, predictable schedules at work. Uh-huh. And what, So if you've got your physiological needs met, but not right. your safety needs, that's all you can think about. Mm-hmm. Um, once those needs are met, though, then you can go on to the third order of needs, which he calls love and belonging. Mm-hmm. 
this is interpersonal connections, yeah. emotional intimacy. Yeah, psychological. Yeah. Yeah, fulfillment sort of. Affiliating with like-minded groups like uh-huh. civic groups or hobby groups, church groups, sports mm-hmm. groups. Um, th- this is a trust and acceptance you're building. And that's super important. Yeah. So someone out there listening pees in their car regularly and they're bonding with you right now. <laughs> Right. Yes. This is going you to be. Need, a... You need to email us at thehopperpodcast at gmail dot com, and you, you and Willie can bond about All having a my... urinal in your car. <laughs> People who are on the road—that's mm-hmm. this—is what. Yeah. You know, there's something to it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, then his fourth level is esteem, mm-hmm. self-esteem. So this is self-worth, self-respect, dignity, mastery of some skill or. Uh, knowledge or something like that. It's independence, a, a life that deserves respect from others. Mm-hmm. And then finally, he has at the very top self-actualization. Yeah. And you can go look that one up for yourself. Right. That's yeah. okay. We're not talking about that one so much right, right. right now. Okay. So UBI, Universal Basic Income, addresses the first and second levels of need mm-hmm. for people who don't have them. So many people in our country right now are struggling with food insecurity. Mm-hmm. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. I've met people like that. Right. A lot of people like that. Yeah. There's other people who don't feel safe because they can only afford, afford to live in a horrible circumstance where they're being regularly victimized. Mm-hmm. Uh, UBI would allow people to meet those most basic needs so that they can relax. If you're hungry or if you feel unsafe, you're going to make bad decisions in your life. That's just the way it is. A base level of money can make a world of difference in covering those basic needs so that you can work on relationships and economic growth that are the key to happiness and to building the economy. Mm -hmm. Now, some people say, why don't the poor pick themselves up by their bootstraps? I've heard that various versions of that a bunch. But it is hard to make good decisions when you are in the stress of deep poverty. Yeah. And if we raise people yeah. out of that, they will make better decisions. Yeah. That, the people who say that have never been there. Correct. Um, or they've been there temporarily. Yes. They had great opportunities. They got out, and now they're inflated with self-righteousness yes. about it. Um, yes. But uh, I can remember a time when yes. I was working very, very hard. Yes. Uh, my wife was back in school, and I was paying for that. And yeah. We, had, we were newly married, and we, we just didn't have a lot. Right. And I was starting a business, a home improvement business. Yeah. And it took a while to get it going. I had to take jobs that didn't pay me well, and I yeah. worked very, very hard. Yeah. And I got stiffed several yeah. times. I did big jobs, and they didn't pay me. Yeah. And um, you know, I wrote letters and et cetera, et cetera. And you don't get paid. Yeah. And you know, the rent comes due. And I can remember thinking I had to do a lot of painting. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, I remember thinking, oh, this is this is why so many painters are alcoholics. Yeah. Because it's like you're grinding this yeah. mind-numbing work. Yes. And you, you train yourself to paint as fast as you can and, yeah. and accurately and clean, you know, efficiently. And, yeah. And because you're not going to make any money otherwise, right? And right. So you're pushing it all day long, all day long. And then you come home and you're tired and you get up and you do it again the, the yeah. next day. And you get up and you get, And then, and overall, you look at the big picture and you say, I can't get ahead. You totally. I'm never going to get out of this. That's right. This is going to be my life. Yeah. Right. And uh-huh. then you start, you know, if, if you have the, the psychological ability to start thinking about, how this is going to change, uh-huh. uh huh. You do that, yeah, right, uh huh. But 
I think a lot of people don't understand the psychology of growing up in poverty. Yes. If that was your upbringing, and this is, and you've been taught, even even uh, vocally uh-huh. taught, uh-huh. that you will never amount to anything. Yeah. That you can't just go out and, and do what you want to do. That you yeah. can't be whatever you want. You know, and and then of course culture swings the other way with this. You, you, you can do anything that you want to do. Oh, right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> we just need some good pragmatic um, help. Yes. And and with that, say hey. We believe in you. Here's a here's a basic income yeah. for you to get going on yeah. Yeah. to pay those basic needs. Yeah. And you can start to dream and think about what you really want to do, what you're really going to be good at, uh-huh. what kind of education you might get. You can amount to something, and here's some money to help you get going. Yeah. So what you're talking about there is like the Maslow's fourth level of dreaming of, of like how I'm going to make something good of myself. Mm-hmm. But people can't even think about that if right. they're hungry and they don't know where their next meal is or they don't have, uh, you know, they, they hear people be in violence in the, in, just across the, the, uh, the hall from where they're living and it's gunshots and it's, I mean, oh my goodness. Yeah. But yeah. this would allow... Yeah, but the expectation that people would say, yeah. you should be able to just fix oh, this. Or you can just, you, if you just worked hard and yeah. saved some money. Right, right, I can right. tell you at the end of the week, when I had $20 left yeah. over, yeah. Um, I was going to take my wife out. And I don't care if we had to go to the, to the, the dollar menu in the dollar theater. Yeah. We were going to get out of the house and have a little bit of fun because there is no point to saving $20 right. a week exactly. when I was living in that kind of... You're just going to blow it. Yeah, th- that kind it doesn't of matter grinding, what. Yeah. Totally. meaningless sort of... It, w- it was a hard station of life, yeah. and it really helped me understand the psychology of poverty. Absolutely. So this really addresses those basic needs mm-hmm. to help people get out of it. Okay, so this leads me to one of the primary concerns that people have about universal basic income, namely, people say... People are going to stop working. Okay. It, like we said last time, it has not been tried yeah. on a massive scale before, so we don't mm-hmm. really know for sure. Okay. But I don't think that people are going to stop working. I, I, welfare makes people stop working. That's... Absolutely. Yeah. Welfare this, does. I don't think this would. Why not? I agree with you. Tell yeah. me why. Well, just what we said before, I think it provides incentive to get ahead. Yes. To say, oh, I can actually succeed now. I can actually save money. I can pay for the things that I need. I can get transportation. I yeah. can get the food that I need. Yeah. I can pay my rent. I can I can take maybe a few risks in investments yeah. because I have uh, a, another $1,000 is going to come next month. Totally. Like, I just think it helps people build. Yeah. It gives them hope. We had a we had a um, uh, a mutual friend who was the owner of Little Caesars. Yes. And uh, he uh, was an elder in the church. Mm-hmm. And was really passionate about giving jobs to uh, ex-cons mm-hmm. and homeless people. And I remember talking with him about that and uh, because he wanted to help those folks out yeah. with, with a basic job. Right. The problem is they didn't have transport. So the people who really wanted to do it, yeah. they didn't have transportation. Right. They can't get to work. And also, it's hard to file taxes. It's hard to fill out the paperwork that you're required to fill out. If you literally do not have an address, yeah. if you don't have an address, you cannot get work. If you don't have reliable transportation, you cannot get work. And so this allows for people who want to work and just can't, mm-hmm. that they can work. Right. This puts people to work. Yeah. Um, some people will say, won't losers spend it on drugs and alcohol? 
If yeah. we just give people free yeah. money. Of course I wonder about that, right? Yeah. I mean, when the Bible says, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. Yes. Right? And so, like, I don't want to fund... Um, we do not want to do that. I don't want to fund hobobery uh, that's based upon uh, laziness, yeah. not mental health problems yeah. or other yeah. you know other problems. But um, if they just, you know, I've met people like this. Oh, they yeah. just will not work. They, they just are lazy. They're going to be people like that. Yeah, there's no question. There are people like that now. Right. I don't. I the, mean, so we do it. Yeah. We can use. There are people like that now in this system. There are going to be people like right. that in that system. That system. Right. That's a wash. I think. Uh-huh. Or maybe it is. Um, it's definitely something to think about when I when I I ponder the scripture, right? Like, yeah. Uh, how yeah. how would we evaluate that fairly? That's a that's a tough question. Okay, so uh, in the studies that UBI has been done, so for example, in uh, Alaska and in North Carolina among the Native Americans, yeah, and in Kenya and in many others. Uh, of all the experiments that have been done with UBI, and some of them go on for decades, mm-hmm. uh, drugs and alcohol uh, addiction always goes down. Mm-hmm. Always. It does, it's not eliminated completely. Yep. And theoretically, there are people who are spending it on drugs and alcohol. But overall, it goes down. Now, I'm, I'm not a... Yeah, the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. So I'm, I understand that completely. Yeah. But it also says if you do work... You should be able to eat. Yeah, you should succeed. And our our yeah. current system right. prevents a ton of people from doing that. I say this over and over again. If if you're working 40 hours a week, yeah. I think that every person, whether you're a janitor or you're a CEO, yeah. you should be able to acquire property, yep. pay for your higher education for your children, save for retirement, take vacations, yep. and, and just pay your bills, pay your health care. Yeah. You should be able to pay for all those basic things. Right. Things. So yeah. this UBI is not a utopia that forces everyone to do things exactly according to the Bible or do things the right. way that we want them to do. People will spend money foolishly, sure. of course. However, I think that this is going to be much closer uh, to what the Bible says in terms of helping our society than, yeah. than what we have now. Yeah. Some people will say that they're going to, if you give people, they're going to um, cash like this, they're just going to spend it frivolously, maybe not on alcohol or drugs, but they're going to spend it on an Xbox. They're going to spend it on, you know, when they when they should be saving it or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're going to go to the dollar menu at McDonald's instead of saving that $20, right? Yeah. But uh, again, all the evidence says that's not actually the case. Mm-hmm. In Alaska, where they tried, where, where this has been going on since 1982, that's a, that's a lot of years mm-hmm. of studying this, right? Um Every citizen gets between a thousand, two thousand dollars a year. We talked about this in the last episode. Um, it's a small UBI. The studies all show that people almost universally use it pretty wisely. Mm-hmm. Not everyone. There are people who blow it. I'm sure. But it is actually really common for people to use it to put into their kids' education, mm-hmm. and that they don't live on it at all. They don't depend on it. They put it aside for the kids' education. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me of Dutch philosopher Rutger Bregman, who said, poverty is not a lack of character, it's a lack of cash. Hmm. And I think those of us who are in the middle class or above think instinctively that poverty is a lack of character. And so if those people had money, they would waste it. Right. But that's not true. Well, I think it, it, that you're right. And all you have to do is really think about yourself for a moment. Yeah. Right? If you were yeah. getting $1,000 a month uh, from the government, yep. uh, you're going you're gonna to make good decisions and you're going to make a few 
uh, probably stupid mistake. You're going yeah. to indulge yourself in something in some way at some point. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, you don't have to be on a witch hunt. So let me tell you about some other things that this is going to encourage. UBI is going to encourage entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And I know you're, you are big into entrepreneurship. You yep. like that. Yep. Um, uh, not only will the very poor be able to get jobs but, and be motivated to do so, but it's going to create a ton of entrepreneurs. Starting a new business costs a ton of money, mm-hmm. a ton of money. And a lot of people have a dream of starting business. I've heard lots of people talk about their dream of starting a business, but they can't do it because they have to work to feed their family to pay the rent. With UBI, there is a really big cushion that's going to give millions of people that extra boost and motivation to start the business that they've been dreaming of. Mm-hmm. And small business, yeah. I really believe, Maybe. is the backbone of our economy. It's that innovation. You know, I've talked about yeah. how competition is really, really important yes. for our free market. I like new businesses starting up. Yeah, New ideas, new businesses. Yeah. That's right. Along these lines, UBI is going to encourage volunteerism. Um, just it's sort of like entrepreneurship, but in the not-for-profit world, right? Think about someone who's passionate about coaching basketball after school for underprivileged kids, mm-hmm. okay? This, uh, they're passionate about it because it gets kids off the streets. It provides mentorship. Uh, you know, if there's some resources, you give them a snack, help them with their homework. It gives them a skill, gives them safety, gives them security. Discipline, all kinds of stuff. I mean, yeah. what are the good values yeah, yeah. that come from helping kids after school right. with basketball? Okay. That's only great if you can afford to do it. Right. Uh, because that kind of stuff doesn't pay money. Right. You've been a coach before. How much money did you make being a, co- being a coach of, of little boys and girls? Not very much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? But imagine if someone was super passionate about it enough that they're like, you know what? I'll take a part-time job, and I'll also get this UBI, and I'm going to go coach. Someone who really is passionate about this stuff, like, I, but I need, all I need is just a basic subsistence so that I can feed yep. my family. Yep but I really want to pour into these kids. There are lots of people like that, and, but they can't do it now. This would give people that opportunity. It also, uh, speaking of which, it's also going to be much more affordable for parents if they want to, to stay at home or for one parent to stay at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, for mom to stay at home with a new baby instead of staying at work. Right. And that kind of one-on-one attention is super important, yep. especially in the early days of a child. A lot of parents want to do that, and UBI is going to allow parents to be the parents they want to be in much, much greater numbers. It, just across the board, I think what you're saying is that it provides an economic boost to those who need it the most. Yes. It is the, the, a basic level of income that could go so far yes. for the people who are really working and grinding. Yes. Yeah. On the other hand, this is not income replacement. $12,000 a right. month. Right. No one's going to be sit you know, sit back and be like, oh, yeah, everything's great. Right, right. So it, it motivates people to work because whatever extra money they make, they make. Yeah. But they don't have to worry about being hungry. They don't have to worry about, you know, being unsafe. They don't have to worry about transportation. Or worry less about that. They, yeah. well, at least they can worry less about that. Yeah. Another thing that, that, that it does is it gives people a reset. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know someone who's very close to me that has, uh, that uh, when he was young, he made some really, really dumb decisions and uh, got into some drugs, got into some trouble in jail. And so then he wanted to turn his life around. It's super hard to do that. Yeah. You, you, make a, you go for a year. Yeah. And how, have, how did you do it? 
(laughs) (laughs) So I I did not have a year, a bad year like that, but some people have a really bad year. Yeah. And maybe it's their own stupid decisions, or maybe it's because they had a heart attack and they lost their job. So many things. Right. Okay. And then how do you crawl yourself out of that pit? Mm -hmm. It's almost impossible. And this is kind of like, you know what? I just uh, almost died by overdosing on drugs. I I can't do that anymore. So I got, you know what? I got $1,000 coming in next month, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to spend it on stuff I shouldn't spend it on. I'm going to do the right thing. Matter of fact, I can go to rehab. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Okay, so lots of good stuff there. Yeah. We still need to, I want to hear how Andrew says this can be afforded. Okay, so... Yes. Yeah. Different versions of UBI can be afforded in different ways. Yeah. Let me talk about how Andrew Yang, the most fleshed out version of this. Um, the answer is yes. There is, we, we have talked about this before. There is so much money in our country. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the problem is not a lack of money. Right. And there are a ton of proposals. Um, but, okay, so $1,000 a month for every American that's going to add up to about $2.8 trillion per year mm. to start off with. Uh-huh. That's a lot. That, that that's should a lot be scary. That's yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. Yang suggests four sources to get all this money. Okay. Number one, with current spending. We currently spend between five and $600 million per year on welfare programs. Mm-hmm. And if we eliminate welfare and, and give people $1,000 a, thousand, a month instead, yeah. then that's money we're already spending. Right. Right? That's that's already there. Okay. So. Um, that's not a whole lot. That's not a whole to, lot. Yeah. Okay. But we also spend over a trillion dollars per year on health care, incarceration, and homelessness services. And economists say, and this is what the evidence of UBI uh, experiments show, that UBI would reduce the needs um, of health care, incarceration, and homelessness significantly. About two hundred billion dollars per year could be saved or or diverted, mm-hmm. as people could would be able to care for themselves better. Uh-huh. They would avoid the emergency room. They would avoid jail. They would not sleep in the street anymore. Uh, hard to know. I'm listening, but that's hard to yeah, know, definitely that's, hard to know. It's hard yeah. to know for sure, but certainly it would reduce some of that. I worked for years in Miami as a hospital chaplain, mm-hmm. um, and I worked a lot in the emergency department. And I can tell you that poverty is a huge yeah. part of people going to the emergency room. Sure. Huge. And so if we can eliminate extreme poverty this way, people can take care of themselves, and it's much, much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the, so one is cur- the first thing is current spending. Uh, that's actually, you're right, a small piece of it, but it's yeah. not nothing. Right, right. It's not nothing. Right. Okay, secondly, this is the big one. He suggests that the United States incorporate what's called a value-added tax. Are you familiar with value-added value tax? I, no, I don't think so. Okay, I can't so remember what it was. America doesn't have a value-added tax, um, but all other industrialized countries do. Uh-huh. We're, we're an outlier this way. It's a tax where companies pay taxes on goods and services um, on the difference between the production cost and the consumer price. Mm. So whatever their mark, the markup, whatever the markup is, whatever their profit is. So uh-huh. you're, you're taxing not the, not the actual cost of the product or service, but the difference between it's right. their profit. You're, you're, you're taxing their profit. Okay. Um, so uh, every European country has a value added tax. Um, it, it's actually very simple to manage. 
It has very little bureaucracy, and one of the nice things about it is that it has almost no loopholes. Mm-hmm. It's, where is the profit? So you report that stuff, right? Because right. um, it, it in uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, okay. So if the U.S. had a value-added tax at half the typical European level, we would generate eight hundred billion dollars in revenue. Mm-hmm. Okay. So right now. Uh, Amazon pays almost nothing in taxes. And so this goes after companies like that with all the loopholes in mm-hmm. our current uh, tax system right. to make sure that they are paying what they need to pay. And we've already said over and over again that that's, that's just part of corruption. Yes, totally. That, that's, that's from the wealthy people being able to, to change rules that yeah. benefit them. That's we right. need to shut all that down. And what this does is it goes after um, uh, your profit, Right, so uh-huh. it's a percentage of the profit, and so if you don't make a profit, then you don't pay your taxes. They don't, you don't have to pay this. Right. But if you're making a crazy, you know, cuckoo bananas profit, right. then you need to be contributing not all of it, sure. but some of it too. Okay, so that's the value added tax. That's going to raise an enormous amount of money that's untapped. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's the second place. The third place is in new revenue. So um, when you put a bunch of money into the hands of the people, they're going to spend it, and it's going to grow the economy. Right. The Roosevelt, the Roosevelt Institute projects that the economy would grow by $2.5 trillion and create 4.6 million new jobs. And that would create new income taxpayers, and it would, mm-hmm. it's going to generate a ton of new money in taxes on the order of $800 billion or so per year. So that would help. And then finally, the final place is by taxing the very top earners at pretty high rates. And this is kind of what we were talking about. Right. Um, that like the uber wealthy, it's putting a limit like, okay, sorry, once you pass, I don't know what the number is exactly, but right. some crazy, un- well, you, can, you don't even understand what kind of money you have. Right. It's not possible. To, okay, we're going to tax that pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. And then also a, a carbon tax. He suggests a carbon tax um, for companies that are going crazy with, with uh, putting out e- emissions and uh-huh. you know, that kind of thing. The long and short of it is that it is doable for sure. Critics of UBI say that um, this level of taxation is unlike anything we've ever seen, and it would make us like European countries that are moving closer and closer to socialism. Now, that would be true if we used this increased tax revenue on government programs. Mm-hmm. But that's not what UBI is. Right. It is giving that money right. to people, which moves us actually much, much closer to capitalism than what we already have. Yeah. And that, I think, is good for everybody. Yeah, the thought of just pumping all this money into the government. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. But, but to put it in the hands of people, when they have been working and striving and paying their taxes and the rules have been rewritten to benefit the people at the top. Yeah. This sounds like a great idea. Let's take some of their uh, their their giant profits yeah. and let's promote capitalism across the board right. at the lower levels. Right. Let's promote uh, good living and, and you know soundness of, of, of financial security. Yeah. Yeah. That that all sounds great. There are obviously. I, I'd like to. I would like to see this at a bigger level, functioning somewhere, 
You know, I, so, I wanted that case study that really says, oh, this is this is beautiful. Right. Yeah. The, the difficult thing is, like we said, you can't do a case study yeah. without actually doing it. Yeah, just jumping right in with both you feet. You just got to, I, it seems to me, if you go and look up at where this has been studied before, it has been studied and studied and studied. Right now, there are dozens of experiments going on across the world. Yeah. And every study says, this is going to be super good. But... Every study also, people can criticize it and say, yes, but it's not completely universal and it doesn't last forever. It's an experiment. And so then you say, okay, so that invalidates all of the, the evidence that you're, you're uh, generating. Yeah. Okay, well, all the evidence is fantastic. Theoretically, it's fantastic. People have been studying this for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, yeah, all top economists, all these uber wealthy people, they're all saying this is the way forward because it's not that, you know what, the reason that I think that it has not been adopted so far mm -hmm. is that it doesn't fit the conservative narrative. It doesn't fit the liberal narrative. Uh-huh. And because what I think we have it's taken the best. Stupid narrative to pick from. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's taken the best of the liberal values and the uh -huh. best of the conservative values, combining them. And saying, here's an economic system. Yeah. But liberals attack it. Conservatives attack it because it doesn't fit their narrative. Yeah. You know what I also find is that there are people who have started businesses and they're, they're generating some wealth. Yeah. But, but they're not generating sick wealth. Right. And, right. And I think in their minds, they have this hope that yeah. one well, that's day. That's actually a good point. One day I'll have Billions. I, I, I can dismantle a, yeah. a, a bridge in right. order to get my my super yacht out of the right. harbor. <laughs> and um, I, it's to me that's that's it's almost like uh, someone who has a gambling addiction or yeah. something. It's like yeah. this. Yeah. Um. Hey, is it okay if we give up on the one day I'll have billions? Yeah. Can can we focus on on living life together and enjoying yes. the good? Yes. Can we take our our money that we've we've got in this country, this wealth, and can we have better community and more vacation and yeah, yeah. more leisure time and you know like can, why, what's this thing about the billions right you know and, right. and some of these people i mean they're they're upwardly mobile they got some companies they might start another company they might they might make a billion dollars great yeah. yeah great you're gonna just pay more tax right that's all right um but uh yeah go ahead and do that yeah i don't want to like ruin your incentive that's what you you know maybe sure. you're really really good at starting business and maybe okay. you're a great investor like warren buffett yeah. do it Invest, buy businesses, grow them, get good management, use your, your skills and yeah, your formulas totally. and, and make a, a truckload of money. You'll still have tons and tons of money. Yeah. It's oh, just yeah. that as you grow at, at those higher levels, there needs to be more taxation. Yeah. The system has benefited you better than anyone else, and you need to support that system. That's right. And I think this is a good way to redistribute things. Totally. And promote capitalism and promote business, yes. entrepreneurship, yes. freedoms, yes. right? Personal freedoms. That's and, it. Yeah. I mean, if, so someone takes the money and they buy a car. Yeah. Someone's selling that car. Right. Now someone's making a profit. Right. Now they're paying tax. Totally. From their, yeah. Just, it just it makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. I just don't know. Obviously, I, I'm not a macroeconomic uh, right. genius, right. so I don't know if, if if it would fully function or not. But it sounds very appealing to me. Well, I'm, I'll tell you that I'm yeah. well. I'm not a macroeconomic genius either, either. Yeah. <laughs> right? But those who are and have won Nobel prizes for it mm -hmm. say this is correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the way to go. Yep. To help 
uh, the economy, but it doesn't fit into our narratives. Yeah, let's create or, a new or narrative our, or our pipe dreams or our pipe. Yeah. yeah, our narratives or our pipe dreams. Yeah, let's let's create a new narrative. Hey, listen, what questions do you have about UBI? Um, I would love to. We would love to discuss uh, your criticisms, your joys. Is there a benefit to it that we haven't discussed, yeah. or is there a criticism a, a that we haven't concer- yeah. haven't considered yet? Write to us at the Hopper. Thehopperpodcast at gmail.com. I almost it. forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Thehopperpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. I only say it 100,000 times, but it yeah. still slips my mind. <laughs> it's cholesterol building up in my brain. Yeah. 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 You, you got to lay off uh, all that red meat. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the beer, too. Maybe so. Yeah. Is there a lot of cholesterol in beer? No, it's just the alcohol shrinks your brain. Oh, I see. brain cells. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm real smart now. <laughs> Hey, this is Dave with the Hopper Podcast. If you can't find a politician or media outlet that represents your views, you're not alone. You've got a home right here. We've broken free from the cultural and political narratives that dominate the landscape. There are more of us than you might realize. So help us grow the Hopper Podcast. Find your favorite episode and click the share button and put it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or somewhere else. Thanks. Dave, do you remember Chumbawamba's tub-thumping Yes, the uh, uh, what tub thumping? That's not, yeah. That was the name of it. That was the name of their big hit. Like I know they're like a one hit wonder, right? And it, I get knocked down, but I get up again. That's it. That's no, it. You're never gonna keep Here, me let down. Me, let me play some, some for of it right now. Okay. I get knocked down, but I get up again. Okay, yeah, it's a one-hit wonder, right? You, yeah, you've heard, yeah, You've heard this song. Um, it has a pretty amazing background. Tub thumping? It's called tub thumping. I'm going to get into I, that just a minute. How did I not know that? The name of the song is yeah, tub thumping. Yeah, that, that's weird. But that word never shows up in the song. Yeah, I don't think I've heard the title of the song. That's the name of the song. <laughs> that's weird. Um, it is super popular, and it's also on Rolling Stone's 20 most annoying songs list. Yeah. <laughs> I can believe that. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what is the song about? Do you know what the song is about? Uh, let's see. Most I, people don't know. Okay. Uh, okay. Then that tells me that I probably don't know because I would say I get knocked yeah, down, think? but I get up again. But there's another phrase where he says uh, that some girls like sing, singing pissing the night away. Yep. Pissing Which the night away. typically yeah. is referring to being drunk off your butt. Uh-huh. And you, yeah. you, you know, when you, when you drink a lot of alcohol, it binds to certain uh, anti-diuretics yeah. in your body. That's and therefore right. you urinate and you get a hangover because you've you've dehydrated yourself. Yes. So pissing the night away means you're you're really drunk. Yeah. Um, the Danny boy part, I don't know what that, you know, Danny boy, yeah. I don't know. Um, but that's what I thought it was. Like, okay. let's party, let's get drunk. Uh, I'm going to get knocked down, but I'm going to get up again. So you're not too far off. Um, one of the band members, Alice Nutter, says, quote, it's all about surviving the daily grind, uh-huh. but doing it with dignity. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. All right. Hold on. Hold on. All hold right, on. Right. Let me tell you the story of tub thumping. Yes. Okay. Tell me, tell me about the dignity there. Okay. <laughs> so the band's name is Chumbawamba. It's a weird yeah. name. Right. And it, I, that's kind of a fun, it's fun to say, Chumbawamba. Right. Okay. 
They formed in 1982 in England. They all lived together as a group of people in a kind of commune okay. in, in northern England, Leeds, England. Uh, they were heavily involved in the anarchist punk scene there. Um, they shared all their money. They shared the cooking. They shared everything. There was okay. a, it was kind of a commune yeah, that, yeah. of the musicians. I got okay? Even in the punk scene, though, they were known in the early 80s and through the 80s um, as troublemakers, even among the punks. Mm. Yeah. They like to shake things okay. up. Now, this was when Margaret Thatcher was the prime minister. Um, and so they closely assigned, aligned themselves with the working class against her conservative politics. Okay. Okay. So, they, and they were very, very political. As a band, they would play benefit concerts for uh, the workers and for um, union organizers. Mm -hmm. They played at the British miners' strike. They played for the picket lines there. Um, and they were always challenging the authorities and the conventions, whatever convention you can think of, they're uh -huh. always like giving the middle finger. Kind of anti-institutional. Very much so. But they're in a commune, which but is sort of commune. institutional. Sort of. Okay. Okay. <laughs> they honestly remind me a lot of that group in Fight Club. I don't know. Did you ever see the we movie Fight Club? We don't talk Fight about Club? Fight Club. That's rule number one. <laughs> I'm just talking about the movie. Okay. Okay. <laughs> did you ever see that movie? I sure did. Yeah. yeah. You remember, do you remember the, the, uh, they had kind of a commune there and they're just yeah. like, they're anarchists. Very, they're going out. Very cult-ish. Very cult-ish. Yes. yes. That's right. They were so this this band was always protesting everything conventional. One of the founding members um, often described it as we were more of a gang than a band. Okay, yeah, but they were a gang who were putting out multiple albums every year, mm -hmm. and a, 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 a you know they were a band that had enough gigs. They're paying all their bills. Okay, I mean it was actually it was a working band. Okay, uh, they weren't just doing this on the side. So they're making money. They're making money. Okay. For yeah. a long time. I only know one song of theirs. But yeah, right. I don't live in Leeds. Right, exactly, yeah. yes. Right. But they're making this money. Okay, so in the 1990s, they started incorporating rave culture, which uh -huh. was new, into their lifestyle and into their music. Okay. Uh, they started using samples from mainstream pop music uh -huh. into their music. They would always do it without permission uh, because that's just the way they right. did stuff, right? right? The anarchist. Um, and they did that as a way to protest pop music and the pop music industry. Gotcha. Okay. Then, in 1997, they were offered a contract with a really big recording label in Germany. Now, they had been offered other big contracts before because they were so talented as a group. Mm -hmm. um, they had actually, in the past, protested this specific label using profanities and writing songs like screaming against this particular recording label but they then they, this recording label offered them a contract in 1997 and they did what no one thought that they would and that is they signed ah okay and they did it so that they could they've been going for 15 years right and nobody their message was not getting out right because they didn't do anything conventional which means that no one ever heard. I mean, they had very, very small concerts. If right. you don't have a label, you don't have any money behind you. Don't have any. Oh uh, yeah. Right. So the, and so they got this message, and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna we go against all conventions." And they had established themselves in the punk community, and so the worst thing you can do in that community is to sign with a label. So that's what they did. Uh huh. Go again, sort of going against conventions right. by becoming conventional. Anyway, so their hit song, <laughs> right? Their big hit song, Tub Thumping. They don't know that we know that they know that we know. Exactly. Yeah. 
Okay, so tub thumping is actually British slang mm. for political campaigning. Okay. It comes from a time before there was electricity where where politicians would literally get up on a soapbox or right. something or bang right. a tub yeah. to get people's attention. Right. I can see that. Yeah, so yeah. tub thumping. That's it's it's got it. It's when you gotta stand up on a soapbox to get something off your chest. Yeah. So okay. they have something to say. They got something to say. So the song was designed to be an empowering anthem for the sidelined working class. Mm-hmm. So when they sing, I get knocked down, and I, but I get up again. Yeah. They're talking about the working class, ordinary people who are constantly getting knocked down by the rich and the powerful and the famous. Yeah. Um, that song sat on the top of the charts all around the world uh-huh. for quite a while. Right. And their anarchist community said that they had sold out. Sure. Understandably. Okay. Of course. Okay. Of course yeah. they'd say that. Of course they would say that. Yeah. Most of the world who loved, who listened to the song and was made it at the top of the charts had no idea what the song was about uh-huh. or their background, and nobody cared about it. Right. Um, and so in lots of ways, they had been bucking the system for 15 years, and so they're, they're always doing something that's outside the box, but now they were in a moment where nobody understood what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Um, in, in 1998, at the Brit Awards, they performed Tub Thumping, um, and they were trying to use their platform to to get their message out that had been lost. And so they played Tub Thumping, and they had a big video screens behind them as they were playing live, and it was going out to the world. You can watch this on YouTube. And the video screens in the, in the back um, showed various British protest movements. And the members of the band, as they were playing wore shirts that said sold out, label whore, uh-huh. yeah. you know, okay. stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. And as they were singing, they replaced some of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. So this was their biggest stage so far. Yeah. Um, they replaced some of the lyrics um, with this. New labor has sold out the dockers just like they sell out the rest of us. Mm-hmm. They were commenting on the Labor Party, which had just come into power after years of conservative rule. And saying that that's this isn't going to be any better than anything else. Yeah, uh, very very political. Later that night, they were attending a fancy banquet for the honored guests of the Brit Awards uh, for music awards. And while they were eating their catered meal in the banquet hall, mm-hmm. their vocalist um, saw Prime Minister John Prescott over there. He, he took a whiskey drink. He yeah. took a vodka drink. He took a lager drink. <laughs> he took cider drink. <laughs> he took a cider drink. No, he they were he yeah. sang songs about the, remind him of the good times. Sing a song that remind him of the, the better times. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. He drinks a whiskey drink, he drinks a vodka drink, he drinks a lager drink, he drinks a cider drink. He sings the songs that remind him of the good times, he sings the songs that remind him of the better times. So he saw Prime Minister John Prescott, uh, Prime Minister of England, was there. Mm-hmm. And so while everybody was eating, he walked over there and got a bucket of ice water that had champagne in it. He took the champagne out mm-hmm. and went over and dumped the bucket of ice and ice water over the Prime Minister's head. Wow. Yeah. Is that considered assault? Yeah. He he got in I he went to jail I think for it for a short uh-huh. time. Um anyway, um they they continued to get famous just for this one song. They went on David Letterman's show and they replaced the lyrics um with free Mumaya Abu Jamal. I don't know who that is, I had to look it up. Um but he uh, Abu Jamal was an activist and a journalist in Philadelphia. Um, who was convicted of killing a police officer in Philadelphia. Um, that's actually a 
I went down a rabbit hole with that super interesting story. <laughs> okay. uh, but what I mean is every time they had a big platform, they're using it to help the rights of the working class. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. After their success with tub thumping, um, they told their fans, if you can't afford the album, just steal it. Right, right, right. No that, skin off their back. So, so all the record stores. <laughs> right. You remember when you had to go to a store to buy music? I do. Yeah, this was during that time. So stores had to put the put the out. There was it was being stolen. So they had to put the, that album behind the counter. And if you wanted to buy it, you had to go and ask them yeah. for a copy of it. Um, they rarely, even now, they rarely allow the song to be used for commercial purposes. Um, even though they're often offered millions and millions of dollars. Um, it's interesting. Um, one time they, they did offer, they did allow it to be used for commercial purposes. Uh, General Motors wanted to use it in the UK um, for a commercial, so they licensed it. They got paid $70,000, and then they donated the entire amount to a protest group protesting against General Motors. <laughs> yeah. I, that's just the yeah. kind of group that it is. Right. Um, and so a lot of people, uh, of course, say no one would know who they were or this message if they had not sold out, so to speak, and gone. I mean, they, were, they were nothing yeah. in Leeds. Now they're much bigger with this, with this hit. But they have, uh, once they finish their contract, they're done. They're still a band. They still do stuff. The, I mean, some of the band members are in their 70s, but yeah. they still do stuff. But they don't yeah. want that success anymore. Uh-huh. It was a risky move, but they got in, they spread their message, and they got out. You know, I I did not receive that message uh, with the lager drink, cider drink, whiskey drink, vodka drink, pissing yeah. the night away, yeah. to get knocked yeah. down and get back up again. Yeah. Yeah, it was just, I thought it was just a party, a party anthem. Yeah, yeah, and I think that they knew that it was, I mean, you can see the message. If I just say, I mean, explaining it this way... Um, especially the, the the main theme is I get knocked down, but I get up again. And it, 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 for an anthem to give to a working class mm-hmm. that keeps getting knocked down, yeah. no, I'm going to keep getting up again. And and then the drinking, like that's someone who is keeps getting pushed down, keeps getting pushed down, keeps getting pushed down. Yeah. There's, a, there's a drinking that is not, there's a lot of drinking there for sure, but the song is, you know, the songs that remind them of the good times, songs that remind them of the bad times. So this isn't like blackout drunk you know, pissing yourself. This is um, drinking in a pub with friends. Yeah. And I'm drinking the night away because I've been knocked down. But I'm going to get up again. So thinking about it, you can, I, I can see yeah. the message that's there. Sure. But if the message was more overt, it would not have been popular. Yeah. And so anyway, I really like this song. Um, another thing that I think that I have just, I haven't heard anybody else say anything about this, but it's got like three distinct sections. And one is like this really angry, I get knocked down, but I get up again. There's another that's kind of a sweet pissing the night away. Uh-huh. It's like, it feels like a different song almost. Right. And then um, the whiskey drink and vodka drink, that's a, again, feels like a totally different song. And so you got like these three different sections yeah. that are like three different emotions almost. And then at the end of the song, all of those come together and they're layered on top of each other. And I appreciate the, like the anger and, and then sweetness and just like jovial going along with things. Like it's all mixed together. Um, when I think about my own emotions, like they, they mm-hmm. often get mixed together that way. 
Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, I like I like the song and I like the background of it that nobody knows. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. And I think I think it's interesting. So I'm going to start calling you Chumba. That's fine. Okay. Chumba. Um, I did run across an interesting, a, a totally different story about this that I think is hilarious that yeah. I have to share. If we're going to talk about Chumba Wumba, okay. I, I got to say this. Um, there is a, apparently a Twitter user that is goes by the handle of Henpecked How. And I've I've seen uh, I've not been on Twitter, but I've seen people post his whatever. Okay, it's pretty funny. He he posted this. Uh, My wife left me home alone with the kids to go out drinking with her friends. A lesser man might whine and complain, but instead I'm playing Chumbawamba's 1997 hit Tub Thumping over and over and over again on the jukebox at their bar using TouchTunes app. <laughs> and so he, he knew where they were going. Uh-huh. And so then he posted pictures of him texting with his wife. And I forget all the, uh, the specifics, but he was yeah. like alluding to it. She didn't know this was happening, but uh-huh. apparently at the bar, it's playing this one song over, over and, and over and over and over. And, over and, o- and he was and, hoping to annoy them. And Exactly. Yeah. And so he said, I forget what he said, I, I, I give the kids a, a bath. Uh, it went well, but you know the the boy kept uh, thumping the tub or, or something, <laughs> right? Right. You know, and so, so she was like, so she picked up on it, and eventually. it took her it took her a yeah. while, and he was like hinting at it, like she's like, is, "Are you doing this?" <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's funny. pretty clever. That's pretty clever. That's a pretty sharp cat. Yeah, yeah. He's it's, really being henpecked. I guess he's he's he really, calls himself henpecked. How? He's really reaching yeah. out to yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> well. Um, I'm not sure that I'm all in for the politics of Chumbawamba, but the idea of of uh, uh, identifying with the working class that mm-hmm. is being oppressed and helping to give them a boost that, you know, it's okay and you're going to get back up again and keep, you know, mean to get back up again when you get knocked down. Yeah. That's that's good. I'm, I can get behind that. Yeah. Well, thanks for that story, Chumba. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Hopper Podcast. Let's keep the conversation going about things that matter and things that don't. Write us at thehopperpodcast at gmail.com or record a short voice memo on your phone and send it to thehopperpodcast at gmail.com. Join us next time when we will discuss five unusual uses for clickbait. You'll never guess the last one. Oh, oh, where do I click? I'm sure you need, you know, someone who needs to listen to that. Be a pal and share the hopper goodness. Send them a link, and if they still don't listen, then cry your little baby eyes out. Be sure to subscribe or follow, please. And special thanks this week go to our dental hygienist, Ginger Vitus. Boo. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Boo, Ginger Vitus. Boo, Ginger. <laughs>